Planet Money helps you understand the economy. We find the people at the center of the story. Garbage in New York. That was like a controlled substance. We show you how money influences everything. Tell me what you like by telling me how you spend your money. And we dig until we get answers. I had a bad feeling you are going to bring that up. Planet Money finds out. All you have to do is listen. The Planet Money podcast from NPR. Coming up on Money Beat, it is a stock market debate. Donnie Brook, the market seems to be rising inexorably. The market seems to be rising inevitably. Can it ever go down? Is there anything that could stop it? We will talk about what is coming out of Washington, what is coming out of corporate America, where this rally could go. It is a bull and bear smackdown. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Money Beat coming to you on a Friday. It's, it's kind of important for us to know what day it is because this particular Friday, we're talking, the stock market is down, the Dow is down, the S&P is down. Uh, really, really for, the, for the Dow, it's the first time in 10 sessions, really in 11 sessions. It was up 10 sessions in a row. This is the 11th. Uh, it's down for the first time in 11 sessions. Still, you know, very high questions about this rally, about what's underneath it, how much further can it go, or is there a correction coming, all those things. That is what we're going to be talking about. And uh, we've got a crowded house in the studio here, Grocer and myself, obviously, and we would never miss, a, never miss a podcast, a chance to be here with you. Also, Ben Eisen, Chris Dietrich, and ahead of the tape colonist, Steve Russolillo here also. So, uh, uh, Grocer, you got something cooked up here? You, you, well, I, I just wanted to be excited about saying this, something. Yeah, so we're going to debate whether the market can climb higher or if it's ready for a pullback. And I think we all know where you stand, Paul. I think we've been listening to this rant for, what, four or five years? So I think you should set this one out. Uh, buddy, I'm, what, 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 what hat am I wearing? What hat? I know. Hat? You're betraying your true what beliefs. What hat am I wearing? Your, your Dow 20,000. Not 2,000. That would be a bearish 20, hat. I got the Dow 20,000 hat on, people. But Maybe I, you should put on a Dow 21,000 hat. Uh, but I, mean, honestly, I don't think I'm that bullish. Is anyone that bullish? We're only 200 points away. <laughs> Just a whisper away, right? Just a whisper away. I, well, you know, I, look, I got my notebook here. I can quickly write out a – I can rip off a piece of paper and write out a one if need be. Uh, I'm not sitting this one out. There is no way I'm sitting this one out, man. I'm in. I'm I, in. Uh, I, I knew we weren't going to get that lucky. <laughs> Hey, you could tell me or not. You could have you could have lied to me and said, "Hey, you don't need to be on this podcast." Well, I think actually Tanya could just drop in any one of your rants from the past four years. I, I, I find that I find, frankly I find that a little bit insulting. I think that's I am a. I was hoping I you'd am, have that reaction. Actually, I, I am a pragmatist. I look at what is going on in the world. I am not just a bearish, grumpy kind of guy that everything stinks all the time. I'm a pragmatist. That said, everything stinks right now, and the market's going to go down. No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, all right, look, let's let's make our cases. We brought Russellillo in. Uh, we like to have Steve on when we can grab him. So let's 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 let Steve go first. Steve, you know, what, what do you see when you look at this market? Well, look, of course, the Dow's up about 13, 14 percent since the election. It's one of the biggest runs we've seen in uh, the beginning of an administration, and so that in and of itself should just be a sign to just step back, take pause of the rally, and and think. Yes, we're probably more likely due for a correction than otherwise. That said, though, a lot of the 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 fundamentals behind this rally actually look pretty decent, I'd argue. So in addition to all of the 
uh, I guess you can call them bullish policies that a lot of people are expecting from the administration, whether they be tax cuts or loose regulation or or any of those things. Uh, I think also what you're seeing is you're seeing some pretty solid earnings growth at this point. We're now on pace for back-to-back uh, quarters of earnings growth. I haven't seen that in a few years now. Uh, and analysts who, yes, are always bullish going forward are particularly bullish about what's to come uh, for the rest of 2017 and 2018, looking for double-digit percentage earnings growth uh, for S&P 500 companies, which is something we haven't seen in really a long time since coming out of the financial crisis. So on the earnings front, things look better. On the economic front, things are looking pretty solid as well, uh, whether you look at the job market, which is has been really pretty healthy for quite a while now. We can nit- nitpick about certain parts of, uh, of you know, certain labor metrics, but overall looking pretty decent. Uh, so I think you're setting up here. And yes, valuations are high, but they are not sky high, I would say. All right. Uh, Stephen Grosser, counterpoint? I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take – so uh, on the earnings standpoint, the forward P.E. ratio, the S&P, yeah. yes. is at its yes, highest sir. level since 2004. The, the price-to-earnings price ratio. Price-to-earnings you know, ratio. Take a look at the, the price of the stock. And that's looking out at projected at, earnings and The divide. projected earnings over the next 12 months. Ratio, yes. And that's based on analysts who, as Steve correctly pointed out, are very bullish. Yes, Yes, and we all know what happens to earnings expectations as the year proceeds. They come in. So that that what now is the highest P ratio since 2004 is probably just continue, only going to continue to get stretched if the market climbs because the earnings are going to come in. Market goes higher, so I mean we are starting to get valuations that are not only are rich right now, but are going to you know could you know if the market goes higher get much richer. Right. The other thing too is. We're also talking about the end of the, one of the longest, biggest bull markets on record. And, you know, a lot of this, and Paul, you've been making this point for everything, has been boosted by the Fed. The Fed has driven the market higher. There's a divergence between the economy and the, you know, where the stock market is. We have a 2% GDP growth economy. That's what basically, you know, everyone is forecasting for the next decade. Who, who doesn't work in the White House. Yeah, it doesn't work in the White House. Right. Is forecasting a 2%. Uh, isn't, I, I mean, I, I have to wonder after having this huge bull market, isn't that already priced into the stock market? Uh, I think that and a lot more is priced in. Absolutely. Uh, ben Eisen. Interesting post that Ben Eisen put on Money Beat today. Yeah, I would, well, signs I would, that that the rally is crumbling. The rally is crumbling. Crumbling, what? Ben. I think it was more crumbling. wear and tear was his word. I, I think I think that's a strong word. Crumbling. I mean, I'm going to go. That. I'm going to defend go, that right now. I'm going to go all in on crumbling right here. Ooh. I would say. I would say. Look, forget about uh, earnings and PE multiples and what to expect <laughs> from analysts over the next. Forget about months. everything. Because, because, <laughs> because because obviously uh, that's that's. That's been wrong in the past before. Uh, it doesn't always determine where stock prices go. But look at uh, look at what's happening in the stock market now, which is that yeah, the, the the broader indexes are going up, but but a lot is dragging them down as well. I mean, uh, small cap stocks are are starting to tank, even though uh, the S and P keeps climbing. You've got a lot of sectors that are that that are uh, uh, starting to go down, and really, what's what's holding the rally up at the moment is. Uh, tech stocks and financials. Um, financials have had a really strong rally, uh, so there's we don't really know how much further they can go unless we get some sort of like regulatory reform or or some actual uh, policies out of Trump. Um, and 
and in terms of tech stocks, that those are those are sort of like economic. Uh, they're 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 stocks that go up when the economy is doing well, and uh, they've gone up a, a lot relative to to the strength of the economy. So at a certain point, once you start to get all the stocks starting to move together again, you start to get correlations to go back up. You you are likely to get a pullback in the broader market. All right, I'm stepping in here. Step so, in. Everything that Ben just said is true, and I think that actually makes me more bullish, right? So we have, reluctantly so, we had we had this Trump rally, right? The so-called Trump trade, financials jump, small caps jump. It's argue, it, arguably that doesn't even exist anymore. It's, it's not happening. Like you said, the infrastructure stocks that got a big bump aren't even going up anymore. To me, what I saw somebody describe it as earlier is this, it's this it's a nihilism rally. Nothing matters anymore. Everything keeps going up, which to me makes it seem like there are people who are getting to this point where they're they're scared of being left behind. They're probably going to continue to pump money into this market regardless of what happens from the Trump administration. I it's just it's becoming more broad and and you know this sector's up one week, this sector's up another week. So I I think the biggest risk is being left behind in it and that I think is becoming sort of a psychological um, magnet that's luring people in. And so here's what I'm going to coin. I'm going to coin the phrase, it's the dollar cost average rally. You don't put it all in, but wow, you Wow, that's sell. catchy. It's catchy, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a headline that's material. That's, that's, that's DCA right Yeah. Clickbait. But stick I mean, a, listen, like, don't- sign in front of that, you got a meme. I'm not pumping it in. Like, the, it's, there's <laughs> no question the, the market's defined gravity. What, what, what was that again? Say that one that's again. That's right. The, the dollar cost averaging <laughs> rally. Just put a little bit in at a time. you're going to- the tongue. It's- your people are going to get left behind. I feel like there's a psychological sense that it's like, you know, the Dow's up 10 days in a row. Until yesterday, tech stocks were up the most they'd been on record since 1990. So, I mean, there's no question that there, there are these gravity-defying superlatives that are, that, are, that, are, that are absurd, but the absurd is sort of becoming the ordinary here. But, but that, I mean, see that that no. that's your that's your no. meme. That's your meme is the absurdly ordinary rally or something like that. Yeah, that's like actually that. not that's bad. That's much better. Thank, gee, thanks. Is that <laughs> is that okay? I'm, I'm allowing you to talk this uh, podcast. <laughs> no, but I think Ben has a good point. I mean, I. I... I, I think that's something that works until it doesn't work, right? Like people just keep pumping money in, and they're afraid of missing out, and and you get this exuberance and this melt up, and then all of a sudden it just peters off and and it goes the opposite direction. Once you start to divorce uh, stock prices from reality, uh, what goes up eventually comes back down. Right. But there isn't like where is the euphoria? Right? I mean, yeah. Where's this exuberance? I mean, we're not seeing it in the fund flow data. We're not really seeing it in the sentiment data. And Chris, back to your point when we were talking about the Trump trade, I mean, the Trump trade initially was that tech stocks were lagging, and then all of a sudden tech stocks are soaring right now. So I, I think you're right. It's that to, to label Can all we, of this as wait, just right, the Trump wait, wait. trade is not necessarily let, the, let, the let, right We have to take thing. a break. We have yeah. to take a break. Uh, everyone wants to jump in. We have to take a break. We will come back because clearly there is a lot more to discuss here. So stay with us. We'll be back after this message. Planet Money helps you understand the economy. We find the people at the center of the story. Garbage in New York. That was like a controlled substance. We show you how money influences everything. Tell me what you like by telling me how you spend your money. And we dig until we get answers. I had a bad feeling you are going to bring that up. Planet Money finds out. All you have to do is listen. The Planet Money podcast from NPR. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. 
We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Money Beat. And hey, look, I know you're a loyal Money Beat listener out there, and we really appreciate it. But if you're interested in more podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, we produce a lot of them, you can check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. We are on Twitter. We are at WSJ Podcasts. And you can subscribe to us many, many places. We're basically, wherever you can get a podcast, you can get a WSJ podcast. We are on iHeartRadio, Amazon Echo, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, your Google Play Music app, all those places and more. Uh, actually, maybe not more. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Just all those places. Uh, you can get Wall Street Journal podcast. We are talking about the stock market. Look, it's been up. Everyone knows it's been up. Can it keep going up is the question. And uh, we were getting a little heated there. For, oh, we were talking about the, the, the little, little bit heated. Friendly heated, but heated. Uh, Trump trade, right? Is that where we, we left off? Well, I think I think there are two things that I would say to Chris's point, just sort of building off this idea, is capitulation and complacency. And is the market getting there? Um, I know the euphoria supposedly is not there, but complacency is. If you look at the MSCI, um, using the MSCI World Index and, um, and you know, doing sort of a complicated uh, sort of uh, ratio, you actually get what they call the complacency index, which is actually at a multi-year high. Um, and that sort of suggests to me that, like, we're getting near that point where, you know, people aren't showing enough, you know, like... You know, the, the question I have is, we I think we've gotten into this habit, especially because of, of what happened in the 1990s and what happened in the the early aughts, of these sort of, you know, quote-unquote irrational exuberance rallies and Greenspan coined that term and everyone loved it. And it was very catchy. It was much catchier than the, the <laughs> dollar cost. Hey, what, how about, that? That? How about just like climb a wall of worry, which is essentially yeah, like, it goes but, back but to like... The, my, like my, my, question is, my, my question is, and Steve, you said this, you know, well, where's the exuberance? If this is a, if this is some irrational rally, where's the, can, can you possibly have a, a, a rally that is... That is that is really about too much buying on not enough fundamentals. That it is not marked by that kind of irrational exuberance. I mean, especially after given what happened the last decade. I mean, I wouldn't expect anyone to be all that jazzed up. But maybe you're still out there buying. I think you you could have a stock market that is dangerously overbought without having that kind of ex- irrational exuberance. Well, especially when what you about can- the other what about the other side of that though, which is the sense that okay. If we are at these levels where there's too much exuberance and there's too much enthusiasm, what what happens next then? Is a does a ten percent decline wipe it all out and no. we get to start fresh? Is it a twenty percent? Is it thirty? Is it fifty? I mean, what I would think you would have to be over thirty percent or well, around that. But what what would prompt a thirty percent decline right. from here? It's not high valuations. High valuations are not necessarily an indicator of what the market's going to do over the short term. High valuations are a worrisome sign when you look longer term. When you look and think about five and ten year returns from now, they are often the lowest when you are at valuation well, levels I mean, this look, high. The, the, but the, the over simple the next answer, months, simple though, answer is a recession. The simple answer is a recession. Which you have high valuations. You have a market that has gone up in, in more or less a straight line for nine years. Everyone is buying. You have this fear of missing out. This no other alternative. You know all these reasons for people to buy stocks. A recession. That that's the answer. So, but then after eight years of a recovery, a recession, depending on how deep it is, of right. course, the big caveat right. there. But a recession isn't the craziest thing in the world. Absolutely not. And wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the market either. If anything, it would kind of 
bring these valuations down a little bit and make the market a little bit more appealing than it is now. But why do we? Do, why do I, we I even would like to avoid a recession? Well, why do we even really need a recession to like reset the reset levels? Yeah. What about what about the levels right before November eighth? I mean, the stock market just took off right after November eighth. Not that much changed in the in the the economic world. A lot changed in the political world. Um, why couldn't we just? Wipe like wipe out the stock market gains since then, and and we're well, back. That'd, to be, a, that'd I mean, be a thirteen percent drop in the right. Dow. A twenty percent yeah. drop. What takes us back to last summer? Right. You know the the interesting thing I think, and and you mentioning the where the market was before the election kind of brings me to this point. You know, I, I think now because we've had all these records, and you know the Dow set a record, S and P set blah blah blah, the bull rally. Everyone's thinking that this is so bullish again. But if you look at the S&P from just before the election, when it was just under 2100, go back to February of 2015, it was at 2100. For the better part of two years, the S&P 500 went nowhere except when it was going down and coming back up. The market was stagnant. It went nowhere. Why? Because there was no economic growth. There was no profit growth. So No, I mean, it was was oil. Right. Pulling down well, yeah, it was earnings, oil pulling down earnings. Things, I mean, right. Ben did a great post that sort of lined those up. They were, you know, I but mean, still, you, you 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 do not have strong economic growth right now. And yeah, we do have some earnings growth. And you can describe what adjective you want to put in front of it, depending on how good or bad you think it is. I mean, it's there; it exists. But the question it's still not great. No, it's not great. I mean, I, look, I'm not I saying mean, it is uh, great. Four, I'm four, saying four point six in the fourth quarter is right c- compared to. Well, the earnings well, it's, recession it's certainly was good. It's, it's below average, but it's I not, mean, it's below average. It, it's not great. Yeah. I mean, like I don't think it. And I mean, that's what I'm like. I was sort of saying in my original point. I mean, two percent GDP and four percent growth in earnings don't necessarily suggest a market that is constantly is climbed thirteen percent to record highs. Has gone a Dow Jones Industrial Average has gone. Like what, twenty five thousand well, po- or 2,500 2, points the, the, in a matter of two months. The, the point is, months? the point is, the market was going nowhere for a very long time, and it turned on a dime on election night. So, what really sparked this well, rally? The right election. Sense. Let's not kid ourselves. No, the election sparked this most recent rally. Well, I mean, the most recent one, but it's most uh, recent one. So, the question is. Now, what is what is sustaining this rally? It is expectations of what's going to come out of Washington, D.C. I'm sorry that that is what is doing it. The market thinks that they're going to get every pro business thing they've ever wanted and they're buying. If you don't get those things or if you get those things and they're not as good as you thought they were going to be. What happens to the, the market well, after that? If economic growth does not pick up to 3 or 4%, it stays at 2%, or God forbid, goes down. If wages do not start growing strongly, if inflation rises and starts eating away whatever meager wage growth you have. I know, Grocer, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm getting no, no, but I mean, like, sorry, no, your point, your point is actually perfectly fair, but Paul is someone who likes to, when he starts hearing his voice, he gets, he gets <laughs> it's going. It's like going downhill, man. I get going downhill. Yeah, it's I, momentum. It's hard, it's hard to stop. No, like you're, you're 100%. I'm a momentum talker. You're 100% Right. I mean, like we what we saw was right after the election is a very it was a stronger than typical, but very typical post-election rally in stocks that was powered by like the pro-business sort of we're going to get our gift bag of having Republicans control Congress and a Republican. And and then all of a sudden pause again, not unusual, but it paused for, you know, about a month, a little mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. A, a month and a half. And then it, it picked up again. And what sparked that pickup? Once again, taxes. He brought up taxes. Right. We're going to come out with taxes. But what we've, everything we've heard, 
you know, since then is the Republicans are finding it difficult to actually govern. Like, they're finding it not, they're not, that's, I'm saying that incorrectly. It's not that they're finding it difficult, but they're finding that actually getting these things through and the work right. that takes to get these things through is hard. Having a tax plan, getting everyone on the same page, page on a tax plan is difficult. Healthcare, Obamacare, especially once it's been implemented. I mean, the Republicans, the Republicans were looking at, you know, repealing, you know, Obamacare in 2010 and 2012. However, now... 30 million people roughly, you know, are, you know, use it. It is that yeah. taking that back without a replacement right. is, is politically dangerous. And then the Republicans never agree on health care policy. So, like, deciding whether, you know, the Medicaid expansion is going to continue right. or not continue, the Senate and the House are disagreeing on that. They And they need, as we, you know, uh, Jerry Seib pointed out yesterday, yeah. they, need, they need to get Obamacare done first. Right. And then they can move on to taxes. I'm not like they put a timetable of like this spring. They're not going to get there. Right. Yeah. I think that is a huge issue. And I think the market is completely ignoring it. And like and and then you just read our stories about the town halls. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more than a few Republicans are like, slow down on this. We need to have a replacement. Well, And also you, you said it in that podcast, too. If they don't get all this done quickly in 2017, 2018 is an election year in Congress. I mean, like. You don't get this done now. What are the odds you're getting it done in 2018? And and the other thing too with this is they want they're doing their tax cuts after. So right. when they figure out <laughs> there's taxes and Obamacare and the repeal of that are incredibly tied. Not only that because like taxes pay for you know Obamacare. Yeah. Right. So like if you actually end up keeping more of it than you expected or you originally planned when you're just talking about repealing, that changes what you can do on taxes. Yes. And when, and we've only also talked about corporate taxes. What about personal tax? I mean, this is going to be extraordinarily complicated right. and whether this and, gets and, done this year or not is And usually, you know, there's this this canard that the market likes um, you know, gridlock and they like when things don't get done in Washington whatever, but when you when you're in a situation like we're in now, where you have this rally that is predicated on something getting done in Washington, and it doesn't get done, what happens? I mean, it's no, a, it, you know, yeah. Someone please jump in. Uh, I mean, I was just gonna say it seems like there's some signs that 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 the market is starting to recognize that this might not happen as planned. Like like one sector is uh, like retail stocks, which would be hurt by the border adjustment tax. They had been underperforming. Now they're not underperforming quite as much. Um, there's little inklings like that that maybe the market is starting to recognize. But then you have this sort of broad uh, market uh, uh, viewpoint. It's the it's the the vague. This will happen, but we don't really know exactly how or exactly when. But but it will happen. That's sort of the the the, the ideology that hasn't quite been eaten away yet. It seems like one of the questions I do have, though, and this sort of hits off a point Chris brought up earlier is whether we're going to go back to this sort of 2015 kind of period where, I mean, and we've already sort of seen it this year, where there are a few very large tech companies that have massive revenue that are going to pull the market up, but they're going to be the top performers. Because it does feel to me as the market has sort of woken up to, we might not be getting this, you know, bevy of gifts from Washington that we had hoped for. Um, They've reverted back to tech. And these companies like Microsoft, Apple, Google, they they have franchises that are pretty much unassailable at this point. 
I think that's right. I mean, I, I think it just seems, and there's no question that, that uncertainty out of Washington, you know, at, at some point, um, the shield that investors seem to be giving the the sort of mayhem down there is is going to be eaten away, and and it's going to be, you know, by any rational expectation, choppier than it is now. But where does that lead? I mean, I wouldn't recommend to anyone that they sell their stocks right now. I think that would be foolish, and I think there's a right. big. A I think point. that's a yeah. big risk um, to you know make. There's just, there's just no question that it, it's getting to the point where it's very strange, but it does now. The rallies seem to be evolving from hope specifically about policies to something broader, like you yeah. said, with tech. And nothing nothing seems to be able to – there aren't the same kind of intraday moves that are that are industry-specific. And when one sector sort of rolls over, others are there to pick its place. Yeah, it seems like the only thing I've seen along those lines is, is people saying – U.S. stocks are pricing expensive by European stocks yeah. or by, you know, like some other equity market where valuations are a little bit better. But, I mean, you're right. No, no one is saying sell U.S. stocks. In fact, I think your your piece um, earlier this week, the morning money beat, just about the, the, the troubles that technical analysts are sort of facing when everything is telling them to sell, but, you know, they <laughs> but they shouldn't because this rally just right. keeps chugging along. You know what's amazing is have we even mentioned the Federal Reserve yet? Have we even? I, well, we no, certainly this, haven't talked about them much. This is a, a big wild card because if you think back to the previous two rate increases, both December 2015 and December 2016, Fed fund futures were pricing in it was a mathematical certainty. Like everyone was sure that the Fed was going to raise. Now we're getting closer to this March meeting, and it's the exact opposite. Not only is it 50-50, but it's less than 50-50. People just don't think that the Fed is actually going to do anything. And this comes after years of the Fed over-promising and under-delivering. And sort of that's what the market has gotten used to, and therefore the market thinks that that's going to happen. So I'm pretty optimistic, but this would be a big change. This would be much different. If the Fed raises in March, this would be this would be much different than the previous two Decembers when it raised because the market is not anticipating it. And so even though Fed officials, including Janet Yellen, are really telegraphing us for a rate increase, the market still doesn't seem to believe her. And so if they go anyway, uh, th- that would that would be pretty interesting. I mean, it, uh, one thing that's maybe worth mentioning here is uh, the minutes from uh, last month's Fed meeting uh, that that they they actually mentioned the stock market rally and that perhaps the rise in equity prices were uh, based on expectations for certain policies that may not come to fruition. It was like pretty vague language, but it was it was it was strong for for uh, for for the way the Fed usually writes and yeah. talks. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, it kind of, it kind of speaks to that maybe change of uh, tone that they've had in recent months, where maybe maybe they are willing to surprise the market in a way that they haven't before. Um, I mean, I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see, but um, could happen. You know, the other thing. I mean, if you really want to talk about what 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 could be a support for the the market, I know the Fed is in tightening mode, but like the Fed funds rate is still so low. I mean, it is just it's it's zero point six six is the overnight rate, the Fed funds rate right now. I mean. Even if they raised it fifty, if they did two twenty-five basis point hikes this year, right? Twenty, you know, point two five percent, that gets it just over one. Historically speaking, that is incredibly low. And they're still talking about they're reinvesting their proceeds into buying. They're just they're kind of rechurning their balance sheet rather than shrinking it. Like the Fed is still very accommodative. 
No, yeah, right. I mean, the but, Fed is still but, still but, supporting but, the stock market. I do. I think that's that's all true, and we've said that many times. But also, like, it's also reset everyone's expectations. I mean, you know, housing yeah. prices are propped up based off of you know in- interest rates being you know you get be able to get a mortgage at right. three five. You know, if, if we get if we ever get near like three percent, mortgage rates are going to be a lot higher. Uh, you know, are housing prices going to you know fall? Right. I mean, like these are. I mean, like you you set a world based on a certain expectation. Changing that expectation has an impact. There's no question, but I mean, and that I think is is down the road. But if the Fed continues sort of on its path, its trajectory, think about real interest rates. I mean, try to open a savings account right now, right? It's like okay, I'm just losing a full percentage. People are going to take risk yeah. and buy stocks until real interest rates actually exist. Oh no, that's true, right? So there's no question. I think you're right with housing prices and when the Fed, you know, when inter- when short-term interest rates get to three percent. I mean, who, who knows, right? I mean, that, and then hopefully we get a recession to sort of reset things. Until then, listen, I'm not I'm not selling stocks. No, I, like I, the only thing, the point I have is the risk of you know the housing market to the broader economy. Um, and having a big reset. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I do think that needs to be. Well, that's never happened before. No, I, no. Really <laughs> of course not. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have to wrap it up. We've taken up a lot of your time. And I think the Bulls it. won that one. Well, I, I think we're all I think we're all in agreement. Like, I think the, the, the consensus here is <laughs> no one here thinks you should sell. But we're there's a lot of a lot of like reason to be very cautious. Yeah. I, I mean, look, look my, my bottom line is that I would I sit here and we, say the stock market is going to go down at this point after everything that's gone on in this world? Of course not. Are there a lot of reasons to think that stocks are overpriced right now and they're overvalued and you're not getting a good value if you buy? Sure. Yeah, I would say sure. once, you know, the takeaway is we don't know what we're talking about. Don't listen to us. But <laughs> Right. The takeaway is we are not financial advisors, folks. We are reporters. We are journalists. We are just observers of this world. Uh, and we're trying to help you, you know, a little bit navigate your way through it. We hope we have done that, and we appreciate your time, as always, and we'll talk to you very soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Planet Money helps you understand the economy. We find the people at the center of the story. Garbage in New York. That was like a controlled substance. We show you how money influences everything. Tell me what you like by telling me how you spend your money. And we dig until we get answers. I had a bad feeling you are going to bring that up. Planet Money finds out. All you have to do is listen. The Planet Money Podcast from NPR.